I have, uh, well, I want to say a couple of people with me, but uh, I'll just say a couple of friends with me here today, um, because you can see that one of them is Therapy Dog Molly, and she is here uh, with her handler, her partner, and I'm going to say her daddy, Chaplain Ron Leonard, and they're going to talk to us about so many different things. We're going to talk about peer support, police officer support, uh, faith-based support, um, and of course, what does a therapy dog do for American law enforcement? Mm -hmm. So Ron Leonard, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. So first, let's talk about you and your background and how you came to do what you do and how Molly came into your life too. Sure, be glad to. Molly and I were um, actually, Marilyn and I met in Memphis, Tennessee, and we've married almost 28 years. I'm retired military. Uh, Marilyn is retired from a Christian organization called Lifeway. And uh, we moved to Nashville, and a friend of mine who has now passed on, uh, a commander in the uh, Nashville Police Force, said, what, what do you think would be great would be a chaplain? Uh, because, uh, you know, I grew up with stigmatism, so you would never want to give me a gun. <laughs> and so uh, he said, but what you do as chaplain is just as important as a man or woman who carries a gun. So that got me excited. And so he started taking me around. He started taking me around to everything. And um, he started, um, um, can you still see Molly? I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. No, she's fine. Let her relax. She's fine. Okay. okay. Uh, he started taking me around and um, I started getting an interest in becoming a chaplain. And so I went through the process, became a volunteer chaplain for the greater Nashville area, not only with, not only with the Nashville Police Department, but other agencies around the area. And I also uh, briefly served um, as, a, uh, as a volunteer chaplain with the TBI, which is the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, right. before we moved to uh, San Antonio. And so I had the opportunity opportunity to really go out on uh, calls with them, seeing seeing really what they were doing. And uh, then Molly, we had lost our Gabby uh, to kidney failure and we found Molly. Molly was left out in 18 degree weather to die with her mom. And a, a man found all four of the dogs and, and Molly and brought them all home and said, and his wife said, I love it, but you're taking those dogs to a rescue tomorrow. <laughs> so they went to a rescue and we um, we rescued Molly and Molly actually rescued us. And right. uh, we brought her into our house. We trained her for a couple of years. And then at two years old, she became a certified therapy dog through the American Kennel Club. And Molly has now been over 5,000 visits. Uh, she has visited police roll call. She was involved in the tragic Waffle House shooting. She was involved in the Mayfield, Kentucky school shooting in the EF3 tornado and other things to where she was involved in. So Molly has been one busy girl. Well, and, and I love that because um, I love that she's a rescue dog. Um, you know, dogs are near and dear to the heart of the National Police Association anyway. Yeah. And, and we firmly believe in, uh, in rescuing a dog. And, you know, a lot of people think that, oh, you have to have some purebred dog yeah. to make a good therapy dog. Talk about that a little bit because the pounds are full Oh, yeah. of good dogs like Molly, aren't they? Of good dogs like Molly, and you do not have to have it. I mean, there are certain temperaments in a dog that make them a good therapy dog, 
But I, I met one dog in the years that I've been around. I met one dog who was a pit bull, who was a wonderful therapy dog. A dog is taught how to be mean. A dog, a dog is taught how to be nice. It's just like raising children. You teach them how to be nice, you know? And it's the same way with Molly. So any dog will work if they get with the right training. I encourage them to take them through um, either PetSmart, Petco, obedience training. They have tremendous trainers there that will take them through. And that's what Molly did. And Molly just became, a good therapy dog. I kid around with people. I say God trainer. We didn't. <laughs> and so because Molly is just super, super good with people. And um, and any dog will work. Yeah, you just have to be committed to that dog to willing to take them through the training so they can be a good therapy dog. So what does a therapy dog have to learn uh to be certified by the American Kennel Club as a therapy dog? Um a therapy dog needs to be um, needs to be good with children. Has absolutely never bitten anybody, and um, basically good on their shots. You know they're up on their shots, and um, and just uh, you know just just basically good with people. Molly is extremely um, extremely good with children. We got that tested uh, when we were at our church once at a Down syndrome child, precious Scotty. He he came up and slapped Molly, Molly right in the face. And Molly kind of looked at me and said, you better get that boy away from me. <laughs> so, But Molly did not react. And that's how a therapy dog has to be. Even in a hostile situation, a therapy dog needs to be able to react calmly. And that's what we ask is that the dog be good with children, good with people, and absolutely has never bitten anybody. Now, American law enforcement is, I know, near and dear to your heart. And oh, yeah. you spend a lot of time and have gone through a lot of training to be able to help the hearts and minds of law enforcement, right? Sure. sure. Yeah, I have. I've had the opportunity over the last 16 years now to get to know them. And I understand that law enforcement and, and Betsy, you and, um, you and uh, your husband can go back as retired people, that you're just people who carried a gun. But when you went home, you were family folks, just like everybody else. You had dreams, you had visions, you had children that you raised and everything like that. So a policeman is just commissioned to carry the law. Um, I love coming from a biblical worldview. I love coming from Romans 13 that says, I don't need to fear the law. And he doesn't carry the sword in vain. And that's really true because a, a law enforcement officer is a normal person with an extraordinary responsibility to the community. And so I try to treat them as just normal people. Yesterday, I was just out with a few. I mean, when they see my car, they wave, Chaplain, come over here. Where are the goodie bags? You know, <laughs> and everything. They're just normal people. And as you know, 90 to 95% of all calls are just normal social work calls. It's only about 5 to 10% that actually becomes pure terror, you know, and everything. So a law enforcement officer deals with things that we don't have to deal with, but at the same time as when they get off work, they're just a family person like anybody else. So when you and Molly go to uh, a, a police organization after a, you know, a horrible event, whether sure. it's a natural disaster, um, a riot, uh, you know, a horrible shooting, sure. uh, you know, like a horrible mass shooting, yeah. What are some of the things to, to walk us through some of the steps that you go through? Well, you go, okay, well, we would, um, uh, the, uh, the last time we went, uh, we went to, um, uh, was probably the most recent was a few years ago when Louisville had those officers that were killed and we went to their 911 dispatcher 
and all the officers showed up and we just let Molly be the dog, let Molly do what he says. She went around, started greeting people. Molly is trained to know how to go greet people, how to lick on people. And we had several officers um, that just sat down with Molly and cried on the dog because they were that upset. We went to Waffle House shooting and um, I remember people just came and wept on the dog and everything. They really did because they were just so. So we just let the dog be the dog. I pretty much try to step. I pretty much try to step out of the way and uh, and just let Molly do her thing and stuff because Molly's the star, not me. So I just uh, I really try to bring her in and she gives that cutting edge that we're able to go in. Now, if they ask me questions, I'll talk to them. I'll pray with them. But pretty much I let Molly do the work. I I call it the moment of presence, the moment of silence. Just be quiet and let the dog be the dog. And that's what I try to do. Now, your experience in the military, has that been helpful in dealing with? Yes, people? yes, it has. I was actually a cook in the military. So I I went everywhere. And, uh, you know, when I sneezed, we were thing. I was deployed in the Navy during Operation Desert Storm and Desert One and Two. During um, Operation Iraqi Freedom, I was in the uh, I was in the National Guard, and I retired in two thousand and four from the National Guard, and um, and so it's uh, you know it, being in the military, it had me a chance to get to know people from a different standpoint, being all over the world, uh, visiting twelve countries, and and seeing war firsthand. Um, I had the opportunity to, when I came out of that, to be able to know kind of what the policemen are going through because they're actually paramilitary. So, you know, it's um, it, it was neat to be able to see that, you know, what they go through. Uh, Betsy, I've heard it said, and this is true, and you've heard it too, over a 20-year period, a police officer, man or woman, will see almost 300 traumatic events over a 20-year period. Now, if they go 30, they're going to see more. And so these kind of events are the ones that really just um, – that, um, you know, just really get to them and everything. And that's why the suicide rate is so high and everything. Well, and let's talk about that. Let's talk about police officer mental health, because sure. that's something that you're very involved in. Um, now, you you have been through peer support training. Yes. Um, talk about the importance of peer support for police officers, especially police officers who've been involved in a trauma. Yeah, it was, um, you know, like I said, I mentioned earlier, uh, Michael Mata, who's one of the regional directors for the Texas Law Enforcement Peer Support, which has actually been appointed by the governor. So um, these guys go around, the home offices in Dallas, and they actually go around and train in peer support that it's okay not to be okay. So when I went through that, it was a long two-day seminar, and I learned just different things about it. And obviously, we do cooperate with Cop, with Copline, which is a tremendous organization that uses peer support counselors, which are cops that have actually at least had five to 10 years of experience in there. So they they have the opportunity to be able to talk to them. Peer support is very important. I mean, a, a cop needs to be able to talk to somebody that they know that they can trust. Um, when I have trained chaplains in peer support, I've often said, you lose the trust of a police officer, you'll never get it back. And that's really true. And so I said, never lose that trust. What they tell you is in confidence and they mean it in confidence. Obviously, if it has nothing to do with the law is what I'm talking about. But, uh, you know, you just you just have that confidence. So I'm able to talk to these policemen and they open up to me, but they will more easily open up to a police officer. So sometime I will direct them to comp line. I'll direct them to other officers and I'll just step out of the way and said, if you need me, I'm here. But I think you need to talk to this officers here. He knows what you're going through. I don't do it daily. And so, you know, peer support is very, very important, not only for the chaplain, but for the whole police force. Yeah, you're absolutely right. In fact, 
you partner with Copline. Yeah. Tell people what that is, because I have a lot of retired uh, friends, retired law enforcement friends who are involved in Copline. Yeah, yeah. Copline was started, I think, by the, I just told her first name, Stephanie. I think it was started by Stephanie. And um, it's an organization where it has an 800 number that people can call and talk to a certified officer. It, it will be an officer. It will be a retired officer or it could be an active duty officer. And they will be able to talk to them and share their problems and everything like that. And um, it's uh, an opportunity for them just to be able to open up before they get to the point of wanting to commit suicide. And um, obviously, uh, you know, it's like somebody said out of uh, out of every officer that's that's killed in the line of duty by gunfire or by wrecks or whatever. We have three officers that are actually killed by suicide. So, you know, and, and you know, the the um, the statistics can vary, but that's pretty much close to where we get at and stuff like that. And so uh, it's just, um, you know, and I think this really got me interested when I found out that 22 vets every single day commit suicide in the United States. And so when I found that out from the military standpoint, I said, man, what's happening in the police standpoint? And so that's when I started looking at it and seeing and it's a real it's a real issue and comp line keeps up with that. And um, sometimes they don't mention the names because the names are not mentioned, but they keep up with what's going on. So peer support is very important for people. I know that we pass out those goodie bags and um, with those goodie bags, we put a comp line thing in each one that they get. Talk about the goodie bags that you and your wife and Molly give out. Okay. These are the goodie bags that we give out. And it's got um, a lot of information in it. It actually has a book in form to read. It's got the God We Trust Blue Decals. And it's got the cop line information in it and other information that they may need that they want to do. And obviously, I drop some of these off to the substations. But we actually go out into the field and hand these to our officers. We have, over the last seven years, we have given out over 2,500 of these goodie bags. And we're just about to approach 3,000. So we're excited about putting those. So that's what we do with our goodie bags and everything. Well, and I know the cops must love Oh, love they love them. Oh, oh, yeah. They uh, they call me the, uh, the goodie bag chaplain. So I <laughs> so they they really do enjoy. and my wife came up with this idea and so we started doing it and it has really taken off um and uh, it's uh it's been a it's it's been a great um it, it's it's been a great resource we've been able to do it so um you talk to a lot of cops every year yeah. and mm -hmm. and what are you hearing from uh the side of you know for almost three years now, we've had this vilification and demonization yeah. of American law enforcement. What are you hearing from the boots on the ground cops that you deal with about well, that? Well, what I'm hearing is obviously they're frustrated. Um, in San Antonio, we're very fortunate to have a strong community that loves our police officers here for the most part. But uh, they do get on calls to where they're being filmed, the First Amendment rights and different things like that. And it frustrates them because they're just doing their job. I mean, as you know, as a police officer, when you were a police officer, I think in Illinois, it was uh, it was to the point a cop shall do this and others, a cop has to do this. And um, when it comes to warrants and everything like that, they're going to jail. I mean, that's just the way it is. And people don't understand, why can't you just let me go? Well, I am not going to sacrifice my job for you to be able to get out of jail. You know, I'm not going to do it because if I don't take you to jail, I'll get fired. So, you know, their 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 frustration is that uh that they they arrest people 
and they get in the court and and nothing actually happens to them and everything like that. We had a case here to where that um that a San Antonio person ran over a uh, ran over an ISD officer and he was charged with capital murder. It got pleaded down to assault in 15 years. So, you know, we're just looking at things like that. And that frustrates these cops and everything. And that's why you're losing so many. That's why you don't have 100%. So the boots on the ground would be that we just need the justice system to support us for what we do. When we arrest people, they need to go to jail. We didn't arrest them for no reason whatsoever. And you know that as a sergeant. You know that as a retired sergeant, you know. And so... Um, so the boots on the ground, I think, would be frustration more than anything else. But these kind of goodie bags and everything, it really lifts their spirit. They say, you know, there are people out there that care. And I, you know, and uh, my wife and I are committed to do this for the rest of our lives. So, yeah, that's so fantastic that that, you know, really, you were just two citizens and a dog who decided yeah. to to really get involved in deuce and just do yeah. something um, how difficult was it if if somebody's watching this and they're in, you know, North Carolina or Alaska or Hawaii or whatever, yeah. you know, far away from Texas, what do you recommend for them to do if they want to do something for their local law enforcement? I would just tell them just to get involved and do something. I don't know what really the landscape of what they could do, but I would say, uh, get the goodie bags, get the In God We Trust blue decals. You can Google it on OS and they'll send it to you absolutely free. And you can get these and pass it out. My wife and I make homemade treats. We work with restaurants in the San Antonio area to feed our, our law enforcement officers. I'm scheduled to feed one next week. And um, we work with different organizations to do that, um, especially when an officer is injured. Now you should do it all the time, but we just had a sergeant that was that was hit by a drunk driver and uh, he's still recovering from spine surgery and everything else and what i did is i concentrated on that substation in some places they're called precincts i concentrated on that substation and made sure that we took the goodie bags the the meals and the and, and the homemade treats to them to let them know we care during that point in their lives and everything like that because these officers are affected when one of their own get hurt or get killed people don't understand how much it affects them and um you know so we'll we'll do that so that's what i encourage people to do to to make homemade treats to make goodie bags to to take resources like the god and trust uh, decals and different things like that just get just get involved to do something Talk about what you as a citizen and as a chaplain think that police leadership needs to do to really support their officers in this current atmosphere. Yeah, we need to have the backing of the leadership, and that comes from the mayor on down and the city council on down, but particularly responding to the police leadership would be chief, assistant chief, command chief, and different ones like that. They need to back their officers in. Now, I understand there are some cases where they cannot back their officers, and that's understood. An officer makes a terrible mistake, and he pays the consequences for it. But I would say that's less than 1%. Everybody out there is doing their job, and they need to back the police. We're fortunate here in San Antonio to have pretty much the San Antonio PD and everything else. They really do back their police officers a lot. We've got a great leadership team here. And, and they do. And so I just say the leadership just needs to back their officers and also give them the training that's needed to be able right. to do it. 
um, um, a good friend of mine, and I don't mind mentioning his name, Ernie Stevens, who's with the uh, Crisis Cops. And you probably know Ernie and Joseph very well that made that movie, The Crisis Cops. Mm -hmm. And Ernie has said that, you know, we spend so many hours training them how to shoot a gun that they may never shoot. And we don't train them enough on mental health that they'll deal one out of four calls. So we need to train them that they are going to run into mental health calls. That's a given within we're seeing one out of four and the police said i'm being too conservative on that one out of four is at least a mental health call and as you know mental health calls can be some of the most dangerous calls in the world so um they need training 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 and i just encourage them to do that i'm um i'm i'm partnering with that ernie and joe crisis they made the film free available to through through 2024 and i'm partnering with them to get that film out nationally so that uh, others others can see it and show it to their organizations that's fantastic. So um, we have less than a minute left. Where sure. can people find you, your website, your social media? Yes, great. Uh, social media would be um, if they just want to do um, just uh, Ron Leonard on there, they'll be able to find my Facebook page. And um, if they want to uh, go to um, Operation Safety 91, that's wwws ninety one com that's www.os91.com and they can go to the operation safety 91 and all those resources in that are free and they can do that and um uh, you know be able to get to that and most of all i just ask people do something make it make it matter i want to matter and absolutely always well, lay back down again <laughs> you guys you guys sure do we appreciate what well, you thank you and what Molly does. And if you would like more information about the National Police Association, visit us at nationalpolice.org. Put the gun down! Put the gun down! Last year, law enforcement officers were involved in hundreds of thousands of use of force incidents. A use of force incident is when an officer must use nonverbal tactics to gain control of a dangerous situation. In many cases, officers have no choice but to use force when a suspect doesn't comply with a lawful order. Use of force is always ugly. No one likes it, especially police officers. Together, we can help de-escalate these dangerous encounters. Help police officers by complying with their lawful orders. Don't attack, attempt to disarm, or flee from an officer. Use of force is an officer's last option. Most incidents can be avoided by not resisting arrest. If you feel you've been wrongfully detained by a police officer, then seek a legal solution after the encounter has been resolved. Let's keep everyone safe. Comply now and complain later. Ma'am, put the gun down! Put the gun down! Last year, law enforcement officers were involved in hundreds of thousands of use of force incidents. A use of force incident is when an officer must use nonverbal tactics to gain control of a dangerous situation. Put the knife on the ground. In many cases, officers have no choice but to use force when a suspect doesn't comply with a lawful order. Use of force is always ugly. No one likes it, especially police officers. Together, we can help de-escalate these dangerous encounters. Help police officers by complying with their lawful orders. Don't attack, attempt to disarm, or flee from an officer. Use of force is an officer's last option. Most incidents can be avoided by not resisting arrest. If you feel you've been wrongfully detained by a police officer, then seek a legal solution after the encounter has been resolved. Let's keep everyone safe. Comply now and complain later.